Yeah, no, that that's just creepy and weird. But but the workplace, yes, that's what I felt when I saw my husband at work. I was like, this is where the magic happens. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. All right. You are listening to Stationed with Stories, and I am your host, Kalisha Hollis Jesse. So, we're going to get started, but before I get too deep into things, I just need to share that these are my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts, and they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right, now that that is done, hi, peeps. I am really excited for this episode, so let's go ahead and start it off like we always started off with what I am reading. And right now, I am reading The Art of War for Writers, Fiction Writing Strategies, Tactics, and Exercises. And it's written by James Scott Bell. It is really a good book because it is a craft book. It is about my craft as a writer. And so a question for y'all, do y'all read craft books? For example, if you're a lawyer, do you read about, you know, how to do corporate law or criminal law and how to be better at it? Or let's say you're a hobbyist and you make bags, you do you read books about, you know, making better quality bags, that kind of thing. I I think that pretty much in every industry you are encouraged to get better, right? Lifelong learners. Yes. So that is this book to me. And I just want to say shout out to my friend Carolina for sending this to me. She actually was going through some books in her her library, clearing some things out. And she saw this book and she knows I'm a writer. And she sent it to me, y'all. So I am reading it. I actually started a while back, but just got distracted with moving and all that stuff. And so I am only about a fourth of of the way through the book, but I would say that it has been more than anything inspiring. And sometimes you just need inspiration and you need motivation and you need someone to say, hey, you can do this. You can really do this. And so that's what the book has been for me. It has a lot of good tips and tricks on how to become a better writer, obviously. And I would say that it's also a good book to read in different parts of your writing career. So he gives a lot of advice on what to be doing at different stages of your writing career. So that's been the the premise of the book. And I have to say that this book is kind of an homage to Sun Tzu, who was a Chinese general. And the book, The Art of War, maybe some of you have heard of The Art of War, or you have read it yourself. But this book is patterned off of that particular book. And that book was written between 403 BC on how to be a tactician in war, how to do the act of war. And so this book by James Scott Bell is how to do the act of writing and particularly for fiction writers. So yeah, I hope that this book continues to prove useful, helpful for me. And I'm curious, let me know if you all are reading different books in your fields as well. So, and it's a physical book, y'all. It's a physical book, right? I'm always talking about my books that I listen to, but I actually have this physical book and it's nonfiction. So you can't say it that I haven't talked about any nonfiction. Anyway, moving on 
to the topic of the day. Y'all, I visited my husband's work for the first time this past week. Yes, I did. And I had to admit, I was immediately enamored by my husband, just seeing him at work. And I, I mean, I always am. I'm always enamored by him. But I was, I mean, it was just endearing. Like I, I felt so much closer to him and so proud of him and just like a little schoolgirl with a crush just coming and trying to sneak a peek and see where he was and what he was doing. Y'all was great. And my girl Chelsea, she brought me out and she said, hey, you may not have had this experience before. Let me show you how it is to, you know, visit the ship. And I'm thankful to her because she has been so helpful. Hey, girl. (laughs) She's been really getting me together and... It's been great to to have come to Japan and had someone who I can click with and who is also so helpful. And just let me know the things that I don't know, because there's so many things that I don't know, right? I try to be transparent with that. You are not listening to an expert at all on this thing called mill spouse slash military spouse life. Not at all. So I am thankful I have lots of friends from Cali to you know, Rhode Island, all the people I've met over these last almost two years who have helped me in some way and we've become friends. I'm really thankful to all of them. So she brings me to the ship and I I learned how to get on the brow, y'all. I had the improper shoe wear. I didn't have the right shoe wear to really get up that brow. And brow is basically the ramp that brings you from the pier to the actual boat, right? Or the ship. And so I did that and, and saw my husband and I was like, ah, you know, this is his work zone. You know, all the security checks to get there and every, it was loud because they were doing construction, just a whole bunch happening there. And it was, it was a live work zone, y'all. And I was like, this is what he does. And it reminded me, it was funny. It reminded me of, you remember MTV Cribs, that show? And you know how... Every time the celebrity brought you to their house and you saw all these different rooms and all their artwork and all cars galore and all of this, they will always bring you to the bedroom and they will say, this is where the magic happens. And then the, the sound will cut off and there will be some special sound effects. And it was highly inappropriate, right? But they will always say, this is where the magic happens. Yeah, no, that that's just creepy and weird. But but the workplace, yes, that's what I felt when I saw my husband at work. I was like, this is where the magic happens. This is this is where all of this uprooting and changing and you know life altering experiences. It's all because of this. This is where the magic is happening. So that was pretty cool. And it also reminded me of this show, this te- another television show, actually contemporary though, called The Wonder Years. And it's the reboot of The Wonder Years. And so I love The Wonder Years back in late 80s, 90s, right? I also really like the reboot. And ha- if you haven't watched it, it is on Hulu and it is fantastic. It really is good. I hope that they renew it because... It's just good family fun. It is really good family fun. And it's one of those shows that make you think. It makes you think, right? So it reminds me of one of the episodes of The Wonder Years where Dean, who is a main character, he has to go to visit his parents for work. And he ends up with his mom. His mom, I think, is an accountant, if I'm remembering right. She's an accountant for a university or firm. And he's just like, he doesn't want to go visit her work. Like, 
what does she do? Like, that's boring. And long story short, after the after seeing his mom in motion, after seeing her do her thing, oh, he just, he was so enamored by her. He was so proud and he had such an appreciation for her, a much higher appreciation for her after seeing her at work. So anyway, I can go on and on about that, but it reminded me, right, going to see my husband at work and seeing him, even for the brief moment I was there, seeing him in action was it, it was that. It was like, wow, I really, really respect and appreciate you even more. Y'all, that got me thinking, you know, thinking, 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 because I'm always getting to thinking about stuff. It got me to thinking, how much do we really understand about people's jobs? Like, for real, for real. How much do you really know about what people do for a living? I know I was a grown adult woman before I finally asked and understood what my mom does for a living. She's an escrow. She does escrow and for a title company. She's done that for 20 plus years. And I'm like, you know, I knew what to say when people would ask me what my parents did as a kid and even like in my early 20s. But y'all, I didn't really know what my mom did. I didn't really get it. My dad, I understood. He was an HVAC and I don't know this. I kind of understood that a little bit better. Oh, but my mom, I was like, yes, yeah, she, I, I, she does things in the housing industry. <laughs> y'all, I have to admit, like sometimes you just don't understand what people be doing for a living. It reminds me of being in high school. And y'all, I went to a boarding school. I went to a college preparatory boarding school. I'm very fortunate to get a full ride to a school where people paid fifty, sixty thousand dollars per year for the children to go there. Oh no, not my below behind. No, no, we we didn't have those type of funds. But what was interesting, <laughs> being in this space, big privilege all around you, the conversation didn't come up really ever, not often at least, about what people's parents did. Because when you're a kid, you know, you just a kid. The money comes from what your parents do. And so anytime it ever came up, I had a number of classmates who would say something that I was puzzled by when they were asked what their parents did for a living. They said their parent was a business person. Y'all, what is a business person? What does a business person do to make this type of money? I just, I never understood. And I, like I said, I knew my parents' roles. I didn't, I couldn't explain it with the depth that I have now, but I was just flabbergasted that being a business person made that much money. And I still didn't know how to also be a business person <laughs> that got that kind of money. So, y'all, it, it really made me think there are some things you know for sure. You know what they do. For example, if you are a beautician, I know what you do. Mm-hmm. I know a thing or two about what beauticians do because they, they do good work for me. In the past, press yes. Uh, beauticians are fantastic at what they do when they're great. And I know what they do. Yes, you you dye and you fry, you curl and you straighten, right? You mix chemicals. You know something about hair. Yes, you are a beautician. I understand what you do. If you are a plumber, I understand what you do. I have had a plumber come out, right? I've seen the work. They do good work when they do it right. 
They know about pipes and they know about fitting pipes and they know about water flow. They know about these things. They know about clogs and fixing them. They know about maintenance and preventative maintenance. They are plumbers. We understand what a plumber does. If you are a doctor, the people know what the doctors do. I mean, now don't get too deep into what type of medicine you study or what kind of medicine you do, because we may not always understand what that means, right? But if you just say blanket doctor, we know that you are doctoring up the people. I get that. You are, you are fixing things that are not working properly in the body. You are checking up to make sure that there are not lumps where they don't need to be and that the blood is flowing right. If you say you're a doctor, we understand what you're doing. But if you say that you are a socialite, what? Like for real. In the year of our Lord, 2002, 2004, uh, what, what was a socialite? I remember hearing that word as a young woman, right? Coming up, coming of age. And Paris Hilton was described as a socialite. And I was like, what is that? How, how does one become a socialite? Where does the money come from in being a socialite? And I think right now, you know, at, at this point in human history, we understand a lot better what that means. But I wish somebody would have said just straight up what it meant to be a socialite. It's like, how, how does socializing get you money? Right? Somebody just needs to have said, listen, it's because... People like them around and they bring attention that people send them tickets, plane tickets, and they pay them to show up at parties and they send them expensive gifts and they invite them to particular functions where they can do this quote unquote business, be a business person, right? So they can sign deals so their face will be on billboards so that the company gets more money and they get a cut of it. Like, let us know, right? We we get the term influencer now a lot more, but we just, it's still a little murky, right? Tell us how the money gets moving. Be specific. And I it's so funny. Like I think about how long it took me to understand what my mother did for a living. Y'all, y'all know what y'all loved ones do for a living? Do you know for sure? My favorite is project manager. Anytime somebody says they are project manager, I'm like, Say more on that. I Listen, I had so many friends tell me about project management and I ask questions. You, if you listen, I will ask. So tell me what type of com- uh, company is it? And, and how does this project managing happen? And what, what exactly does that do for the company? People need to know, right? Because we say that we have great relationships, but we need to know what our people are doing that's that's what I'm I'm just saying. You know, you might know a job title, but it's good to know what people are really doing, right? When you're a researcher, what is what is the research? How what does that mean? What is the value? Like how does the money, where does the money come from? Like who pays you? And why are they paying you for different research? We just need to know. We just need to have more clarity. That's all I'm saying. On what people do because that's where the magic happens. If you ask me, the the magic does not happen in the creepy way that the celebrities would talk about on MTV. No, that's not where the, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's where the magic happens, Mr. Rapper. The magic happens in the studio when you record your platinum and double platinum album. That is where the magic happened. The magic happens is, what that means is that there is value added. That's what I think, at least. This is, these are my thoughts, right? The magic happens wherever the value is being 
added. So for example, if you are a lawyer and you're in a courtroom, the, the, the magic is happening in that courtroom. The magic is happening in that office when you're in the magic is happening wherever else you're getting your details and your information, you know, the investigation, the discovery period, right? You're making magic happen. Parenting. That, that's one of them jobs where the magic happens everywhere you go. Listen, the little people, all the, the work that you have to do on the playground and in the bathtub and in the kitchen and in the theme park and in the car and in on the train, there's so much value being added everywhere you go with those little people. That is where the, ma the magic's happening everywhere. The magic is happening everywhere when your job is to parent, right? Volunteering, your job, I mean, that's where the magic is happening. Wherever you are putting the, the food together, the, the packages together to be sent off or gathering clothes and socks and that kind of thing or planting gardens, that is where the magic is happening, okay? Listen, we got to know where magic is happening and we got to know exactly what it is that's, that's happening for that magic to flow. So that, that's just me. And I'll stop right here because y'all know I can go on and on and on. But yeah, where the magic happens. I definitely enjoy visiting my husband at his work this past week. All right. So moving on to the last part of this episode, I am actually going to read for you all. Not this time will it be flash fiction, but it's actually an essay. And I debated on whether I would read the whole thing to you all or have you listen to it and then read it where it's posted online. But I, I think I'm going to read it all. And it's a little longer than flash fiction, but bear with me. It's actually an essay that I published last year on Medium. And yes, I do have a Medium page. I just have this essay for now. And, and if you've never heard of Medium, you can just Google it, medium.com. And then you can look for me, Kalisha Hollis Jesse, And you will see that I have an essay called For the Abolition of the Friend Zone. And I actually submitted this for competition. I submitted this for a competition. I did not win, but I think that it is a pretty fun essay and it actually ties in with the theme for today. So I'm going to start. For the abolition of the friend zone. At best, the friend zone is naively used. At worst, it's plain selfish. We have all either been the giver or recipient of the friend zone. This behavior must be abolished, and I'll show you why. I thought Darius was cute when we first met. Not love at first sight, but a second glance approval. See, planted in my mind, it was time to see whether this thought would grow. He wanted to go to the play I was interested in, invited me to the military ball because he thought I would be good company, talked about boring things that interest him, and then I realized there was no movement here, no heart palpitations, no giddiness. Somewhere between the second hello and the third goodbye, I'd done that perfectly protective thing of being present and pretending to be interested. I sat on my bed with the phone on speaker, thinking through how to politely end our conversations. Already, I wanted things from some other guy that I can't recall anymore. His attention didn't provide it. His thinly veiled attempts to spend more time with me weren't welcomed. 
So I chewed on the thought of whether our similarities could bring us together, then blew that out like double bubble and stepped into it, covering myself for years to come in my own cocoon while I put him in the friend zone. And whether you are naive or selfish, the thing is, putting someone in the friend zone is planting a seed you never intend to water or fertilize or prune. It's real estate in your relationship garden, yet you've actively deprived it of the things it needs to flourish. At best, you'd say, if it's hardy, it'll still grow. But we all know that rather than properly digging it up to be replanted in someone else's garden, you kept it around barely hanging on to life. And that's the thing about friend versus friend zone. You're not a real one if you do a friend like that. Could they have not been a beautiful rose bush in someone else's garden? Couldn't they have been a prized pumpkin in someone else's patch? But you took one glance and gave it no real chance to go anywhere. Darius messaged me on Facebook one day while I was still holding on to his friend zonedness, my word, like the naive or selfish woman I was. You be the judge. He was deployed out at sea and wondered if we can write from time to time. Now this is how friend zones were supposed to function. No pressure with us being so far apart. Plus, I was a talkative girl and writing was my thing. So I wrote back essays, told him everything about things that mattered to me and waited for his reply messages until they stopped. A meh moment, but I wasn't heavily invested. Remember the definition of friend zoned. So we lost touch and my bubble floated on. I knew zero partners by my mid twenties. Still floating along in my bubble because I hadn't found something that I couldn't name but thought I would know when I met it. There were only first dates and then friend zones. You see the tragedy here? Darius and I messaged on social media from time to time over the years, but all on my terms. Any detection of flirting and I reminded him of his status. Take it or leave it. Because though I never gave him a real chance, I kept him in the garden and glanced over every blue moon to see if the relationship was still hanging on. Not fully friend, not simply acquaintance. Stuck in the stagnant friend zone. Until that one post in December 2019 that piqued my curiosity. Hmm, this plant isn't supposed to have flowers. Why hadn't I noticed it was a fruit tree before? More concretely, it was his voice. That caught me off guard. There was something matured and easygoing in that deep voice that told me that I wanted to know something more about him. That I missed an opportunity to build a true friendship. That maybe I'd prematurely stunted the relationship's growth. My double bubble gum cocoon felt fragile for the first time in a long time. Did I know he was direct? I wanted a straight shooter. Was he confident when I first met him? Because I liked this confident man he'd become. And he's stable. What? The college girl version of me that friendzoned him didn't have a clue he showed signs of stability back then. And when he said he wanted to come visit me, 
when he booked his rental and his hotel for a New England January to come hang out with me. I knew this was a thing I was looking for and could name once I saw it. Darius. And had I stopped glancing at the friend zone area of my relationship garden instead of putting my full attention into it like the rest of my true friendships, maybe I would have seen it earlier. In January 2020, I stepped out of that cocoon, donned my wings, and got rid of the friend zone. The results were instant. He had done nine long years of friend zone. Once out of that joint, he found himself in a new garden full of sunlight and fertilizer and water. He had me pull up some weeds in that garden that stunted my growth. I accepted that every bud of his wouldn't bloom in every season. And that relationship grew from the day I abolished the friend zone to the day we made our relationship official to July 2020 when we walked down the aisle. A lot of relationships didn't survive the pandemic, but mine thrived and now I'm a friend zone abolitionist for life. So if you're for sure you don't want a relationship, kick them out of your relationship garden. There's no occasional contact needed because you have no cares to give. But if you've got a good human who you appreciate, don't stunt the growth and don't withhold the care of getting to know them and letting yourself be known. Let the friendship grow where it may because there are unrequited longings to be avoided, lifetime friendships to be cherished, and even some love stories for the ages to be had. When you own that everyone loses when we use the friend zone. So that is it for me, y'all. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode a little longer, right? Just a little longer, but I hope that you enjoyed it. Definitely follow me on all my channels. I am on YouTube, Stationed with Stories. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, Stationed underscore story. And definitely my website. So www.stationedwithstories.com. You can find the podcast on all major outlets. So check it out. And I hope that you definitely give me those five stars. Definitely leave a review. Please leave a review on wherever you are listening to the podcast. And definitely comment, like, subscribe and share with others. I am so, so thrilled to be doing this. I enjoy chatting with you. So if nothing else, I will be back next week, every Monday for this season of Station With Stories. I'm your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. Bye, peeps.